This is the Reset MD podcast. We welcome you to join in on our conversations with fellow physicians. Many of us in medicine reach a point in our careers where we want to make a change, hit a reset button. Wouldn't it be nice to have some guidance from colleagues who'd been there too and have pearls of wisdom to share? These well-being conversations will cover a range of topics, thriving in medicine, physician health, burnout prevention, work-life integration, practice optimization, advocacy, and support. And we'll just have some fun doing it. Listen in and start your reset. Hi, welcome to the Reset MD podcast. I'm Dr. Marion McCrary, one of the co-creators of the podcast. And today we have Dr. Ashwini Bapat. She is a palliative care doctor, writer, and co-founder of two different companies we're going to talk about today. And the reason I'm so excited for you to hear her story is she made a major reset in 2020. And she's here to tell us a little bit about it. And, and why it may affect you if you're interested in making a reset as well. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm truly a fan of Reset MD, so it's very cool to be here. Thank you. We love having fans. That's really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> you were referred to the podcast by a previous guest. And in a minute, I think um, our listeners, if they've listened to Dr. Tiffany Leong's um, uh, podcast episode, they'll know why that you guys have a few mm-hmm. things in common. But please tell us a little bit about you. I'd love to hear your story as a physician um, and what you're doing now. And I'll I'll be quiet and give you the mic. Okay, of course. So I'm actually gonna I'm gonna take you back a couple of years because I think that'll help you understand where I was and how this reset transpired. Um, so, like you said, I'm a palliative care doctor. And I was working as an attending. So I had finished residency, I finished fellowship, and I was working as an attending at a pretty large academic institution. And I was an instructor, and I was very aware of the promotion ladder, the known criteria, you know, publication, scholarship, but also the unspoken criteria of um, being able to navigate some of the politics. And it was kind of in the setting that I realized, or I, I had the worry that I wasn't sure if this type of environment and position was actually for me. Um, I appreciate research and people that enjoy it. I just wasn't sure if that was me. And so around the same time, my husband was wrapping up fellowship. He's a psychiatrist and he was about to graduate. And so we really were trying to figure out what our next step was. And um, we, he wanted to start a private practice. And so for that, we really needed to think about where we wanted to settle down. And so we started looking at buying a house. We were like, well, this sounds like it would be the next step. Um, and we saw about 10 to 15 perfect houses, like perfect on paper. And yet when it came time to actually putting in the offer, we found ourselves making some excuse or like, Uh, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. And then obviously we didn't put this offer in. Um, So finally, after like passing up on a handful of perfect houses, we really sat down and we were like, why aren't we putting in an offer? Like, why aren't we able to commit to this house? 
And for me, I realized that when I imagined this house that we were going to move into, instead of it being a nurturing environment that was going to launch my dreams and this family and what I wanted out of life, I actually saw the house as a shackle that was going to keep me there, where if we bought the house, then we would have this mortgage and then we would need a job to sustain this mortgage. And to be honest, for me, like there was nothing about that that excited me and that made me feel incredibly trapped. Um, and so one particular morning, we actually saw yet another perfect house in the suburbs of Boston. And we like bounced around the idea of putting in an offer. And that same evening, we flew out to Spain for a planned vacation. And the moment we got to Spain, like within a couple of days, we had left the polar vortex of Boston behind. And we were walking around, like we were picnicking under like orange trees and walking past like a thousand year old walls and Roman aqueducts. And we both looked at each other at a point and we were like, why don't we live here? And we had always wanted to live abroad. Um, I lived partially part of my childhood in India. I love languages. I love different cultures. And I really wanted to share this with our kids. And it was actually on this trip when we realized that we had foreclosed on opportunities and we were on this path. We were on this kind of academic medicine path and we were in some ways groomed for the path. All of our friends were doing, our, our mentors were doing it. Um, and at the same time, we had not explored other opportunities. And so it was this trip to Spain where we started Googling, like how can an American doctor practice abroad? Like, has anyone practiced in Spain? Has anyone practiced in France? What about Canada or Australia or New Zealand? Like, how do we practice there? And it was actually really this search that made us realize that there's this huge gap in knowledge. And um, over time, we started connecting with people that had made this move already. And that was kind of the birth of the idea of um, the community that we created, which was Hippocratic Adventures. Um, so that was just the process, the process of even realizing that we wanted to make a reset. How exciting. When I was listening to you tell it, I was like, oh yeah, I want to do that too. <laughs> yeah. I always think about, you know, when you go on vacation and somewhere you love, you're like, how can we spend more time here? How can we like yeah. come back and vacation here? And to the point of like, can we buy a condo here? Can we come mm -hmm. back? But for you all, it was, it was like a bigger shift than that. It was yeah. like, this is where we're supposed to be, or we're supposed to be doing something different. Yeah. And I really, that, that imagery of this perfect house, you know, in the perfect environment, doing the, uh, the tract that your yeah. mentors had kind of set out for you being a shackle kind of trapping yeah. you is so powerful because I think yeah. we all possibly could identify, could remember, or could know someone that's really been in that, that kind of treadmill and just yeah. kind of continuing to do what others have told us. And you guys really said, you know, you didn't maybe know it at first. You hadn't put yeah. in the, you hadn't put it, you hadn't signed the contract, yeah. but you, you subconsciously, it sounds like knew something was just not right for you and, and serendipitously or sort of <laughs> intentionally with your, right. with the goals that you had, you're like, I really want to do this. 
you know, it, it all came together in the right place, the right time, the right mindset. It sounds like. Yes. And I would say that this process happened over, you know, I think we always had this dream of live, living abroad, like that seed was already there, but this process happened over a period of months. It wasn't just like this one vacation. Um, I think every vacation that we had been on, we were like, could we live here? Could we live here? Could we live here? And that was, you know, slowly something was starting to bloom and blossom there. Yeah. And you also said that you realized that you had foreclosed on opportunities. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, the thing was, I went straight from college to med school, to residency, to fellowship. I took one year where I did primary care. And within that year, I realized that primary care was not for me and that I was heading for palliative care. Um, And it's this path. It's a very groomed path. It's a well-known path. It's the path that honestly all my friends were on. So when we talked about like job opportunities, when we were looking in residency for job opportunities, we were looking at the same type of venues. We were looking at academic practices um, or private practices. And there wasn't anything beyond that. There wasn't um, any sort of sense of entrepreneurship. There was no sense of like, maybe I want academic for a little bit, maybe for clinical practice, but maybe I have this other interest that I want to explore. That just wasn't what was known to us. That's not what other people were doing around us. That's not what our family expected of us. That's not what our mentors expected of us. Um, So I feel like I had also expected the same thing of myself, right? That I would continue on this path. And it seems like everyone else is doing okay. You know, they seem okay. Um, And I had kind of boxed myself in. Um, And there was always a part of me that knew like that this high pressure, like academic environment, that wasn't for me. I think it was for other people, but like it wasn't where I felt the happiest or it wasn't where I necessarily felt in, in sync with, with some of my strengths. Um, and so that was hard because it was actually through this realization that like, huh, could we live abroad? Could we practice abroad? That was the time when I started looking at other opportunities. That's when I was like, okay, Um, there's academics, maybe there's global health, maybe I could do a little bit in the U.S., a little bit outside the U.S. Um, There are telemedicine opportunities that, you know, I started exploring that are, there are non-clinical opportunities. Um, I just had no idea because I had never had the reason to explore, you know? Yeah, I think that you know, you did all this during a pandemic as well. (laughs) And I think, you know, I've been in situations where I'm like, this is just the way you do it. You kind of stay Mm -hmm. in this environment. I think one of the benefits of the pandemic is it's kind of given us an opportunity to think about things differently. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hadn't really not done telehealth until that time. And so I'm speaking with you on Zoom and we're recording this and you're on a different continent, you know, which is amazing, which is amazing. And so it's not, you know, yeah, I've done Zoom for some meetings, but I really hadn't, you know, considered all the opportunities. And so I think I'm curious if the 
the pandemic kind of pushed this along or if it kind of held you back in some ways. Um, but it sounds like you were already reflecting and you were looking yeah. for other opportunities even before this, mm-hmm. um, this move during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly right. Like we started, I think it was the end of 2018, early 2019, that we started looking for other opportunities. Um, And at that time, there were telemedicine opportunities, just not as many. Um, And so that's really when I started seeing kind of the breadth of what telemedicine had to offer. And then because of COVID, all of us became uh, skilled with telemedicine, or at least used have used telemedicine now. And so that made it much easier to um, seek out opportunities. But for me as a palliative care doctor, um, I did look at telemedicine opportunities and I even said like, okay, maybe I don't have to do palliative care. Maybe I could do internal medicine. And I quickly realized that my heart was in palliative care and that's what was most fulfilling to me. And there weren't opportunities for telepalliative care, not not plug and play opportunities, you know? And so that's when through this process, I realized there's a need for palliative care. People don't have access to it, especially in underserved rural areas, Um, but even in urban areas like in Boston, you have to drive two hours to get into a major medical center. Um, So that's when I started thinking like, okay, there are telemedicine companies that exist for internal medicine or for primary care or urgent care. Can I use those that same those same principles to create a telepalliative care opportunity for myself? Because it didn't exist. And if I do this, can I then reach the people that have a really hard time accessing specialty palliative care? Um, and so that I batted that idea around for a long time. I um, I, I ran it by a friend and another friend, and I was like, would you be interested? Would you be interested? And I finally found um, one of my colleagues and friends who was interested. And so we started put, putting ideas together and really started um, creating, laying the foundation for what would become the PineMD, um, which provides telepalliative care services to both individuals living with illness individuals who are aging and importantly caregivers Mm. um, because that's a huge population that um, does not get the attention that I think they need and the support that they need. Yeah I can imagine that folks who are in need of that like you said how wonderful it would be to be able to turn on your computer and have a physician be able to talk with you and 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 see into the room or you know and be able to have that rather than having to come like you said sometimes hours in a car or other transportation to kind of get to a physician to a this exam room and so it really I think espouses the the beliefs and the and the virtues behind palliative care is like how can we how can we serve that person the best way so that sounds so interesting. Yeah. I, I'm curious, you know, we, we talk about well-being here and how the different choices and the resets that we make, how do you see, you know, how does that feel in terms of the work that you do compared to what you were doing in the, the environment that you said just really wasn't for you ultimately? Yeah, I think the difference now is that, um, I'm working from internal motivation, from like motivation I have inside myself. And that makes it a little bit easier to put myself out there. Like even this podcast, I'm an introvert. This podcast is so scary to me. Um, But I'm able to put myself out there because 
I feel like both of these services in our story can help people. Um, and so that's empowering for me. Um, and so that's what feels different. It feels like I'm contributing to something I'm greater than myself. I'm collaborating with colleagues. We're working together. We're reaching people that otherwise wouldn't have had the service or wouldn't have had easy access to the service. Um, and even through Hippocratic Adventures, like we get a lot of physicians that want to move abroad and they don't know where to start. And I think one of the best things that we've done is created this community um, where they can reach out to fellow physicians who have made that move, who have worked through that anxiety of that move and that relocation process and some of the frustrations and some of the joys. And that to me um, is completely different, completely yeah. different. Yeah. It's freeing. I don't feel like I'm shackled. <laughs> you know? the, the shackles have been broken. And that's, yeah. And just that going back to knowing what, what your why is, I think, uh, kind of what's in the center of that circle and knowing that that's, what's driving this makes it so important. Yeah. You started talking about, um, Hippocratic adventures, and yeah. I am so curious about that as we were getting ready to start recording. I was telling you about, um, a physician who was reaching out in one of the Facebook groups, uh, due to some recent um, things that had happened here in the United States and says, you know, I'm really interested in working in New Zealand or Australia, you know, how do we go about this? And someone had put a link to Hippocratic Adventures in um, as a response. Yeah. And so I think, you know, there's so many people who are starting again, as we were talking about thinking of other ways of doing medicine. And so I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about what your company does, kind of what resources are out there and, um, and how, if folks are interested that they learn more about that. Absolutely. So Hippocratic Adventures, first and foremost, it's a community of physicians and it's a community of physicians that are either already practicing outside the U.S., medicine outside the U.S., or they are dreaming of practicing medicine outside the U.S., and I think one of the most powerful things that we have created are opportunities for our members to share their experiences because we don't have to reinvent the wheel. People have moved from the US to Canada, to the UK, to New Zealand, to Australia, to France, to Norway, to Sweden. And um, this gives them an opportunity to share their experience, the process of getting a medical license there, all kind of the nitty gritty of that, um, the process of finding a job, as well as information about the healthcare culture. Like what is the work culture like? Um, how do you go about finding a job? Can you negotiate a contract? Um, some countries have unions, uh, physician unions that you should know about, um, as well as general information about immigration, about just strategies that you can use. So I think that's the first way that we support people. Um, the second way is we have compiled a huge job board of opportunities throughout the world. So people can browse that and find kind of the best fit for them. And the third is we offer a guidance service. Um, and this provides kind of one-on-one -on -one personalized guidance to help people who are looking to transition to a particular country where they connect with what we call adventure guides. So people that can help them along this journey. Um, 
and to help take a little bit of that stress and anxiety and bring it down a notch. Uh, because you're, you're learning from the experience of someone else who went through that process. Um, and so it's a really helpful community and we're pretty supportive of each other. Um, and you can find us, we have a Facebook group called Hippocratic Adventures. Um, and that was actually the first thing that we started. And um, we have a website called www.hippocraticadventures.com. Thank you for sharing that. I'll put both that and the Epine MD in the links to that in our show notes so folks can yeah. look at that. But I love how it's, it's kind of different levels. So you can just you know, go to the website, read some of the blog posts, kind of, they're so interesting. Uh, I just kind of scrolled through um, this morning. And I think, you know, then as you get more serious about it, as you kind of really want to put, you know, sign your name on the dotted line somewhere, (laughs) actually having someone who's been there and did that, done that, has done that, uh, really can be helpful. So I think that it's, it's, it's there for different levels of individuals yeah. who need it, but that community aspect of it for people to continue to, to kind of learn and share with each other just continues to build that. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, I think the community is the biggest strength uh, of, of, uh, of this, of Hippocratic Adventures, um, because I don't think our unique singular experience will speak to all the different dreams that fellow physicians have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been incredibly beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. All of those dreams yeah. <laughs> that you're yeah. starting to act on those. Yeah. Well, I'd love to, to talk a little bit more about you, if I may. And yeah. I know this as an introvert to an introvert here, <laughs> not always easy. Um, so for you right now, what, what helps you stay um, up to date on your well-being? kind of the resets that you've made. We talked about kind of the move and the tra- career transition. Are there other things that are helpful for you to, to keep that wellness first and foremost in your life? Yeah, so after, the answer is um, therapy. <laughs> I have been in talk therapy with a psychiatrist for now, I think five years, probably since I graduated residency. And I originally went into it around the time when we were thinking of having children. And I realized that um, it was, that was a terrifying thought um, and that clearly there were some kind of childhood memories that were coming back that were already playing itself out with this child I didn't even have. Um, so I went into therapy originally for that. And I've since continued with it because um, it has helped me with this move, obviously. It, it, you know what it was? It helped me break. I had put myself in a box, a box of what was possible for me and what was not possible for me. Maybe it's possible for someone else, but it was not available to me. And what therapy helped me do was really like take that box apart and then let myself be free to explore to play, to be curious. Um, And that to me has been absolutely integral to this move um, because I recognize that in moving here, one of the things I was leaving behind is my support system. Mm -hmm. And so here we had to like really proactively create a support system and we continue to proactively create a support system of friends. 
And that was scary. I mean, it is incredibly scary for me to even go out there and be like, hey, do you want to hang out? You're, you're in my language class. You seem interesting. Um, but I've, we've done that and we've like practiced, I have practiced doing that. And it's um, turned into one of those situations where sometimes you hit it off well, and then sometimes you don't, and that's okay. Um, but easily therapy has been the best, best investment that I have made. Yeah, I could, I could echo that from so many conversations and, and being able to, to use whatever supports uh, are helpful for us. I love that idea, you know, of having that support system. And so when you leave your residency or you leave where you've been, whether it's you move across the world or whether you move two states over, you've got to kind of create that new yeah. uh, community in whatever way that looks. And so it is hard to put yourself out there in, in certain circumstances and to, to kind of make new friendships and make yeah. that support system. So whatever can help you do that um, starts to make that feel like home and it makes yeah. it more comfortable. And I love the imagery, like you said, just dismantling the box. I see yeah. it kind of like this cardboard <laughs> box. I was gonna, I was gonna right. say like breaking out of the box, but exactly. it's really more just like, okay, we're just gonna pack it away yeah. and we're gonna put it aside and we'll use it later if we need it, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's a little bit more structured in that way. Yeah, yeah. so that's been really helpful for you. Uh, what other things? Um, so like I said, I love learning languages. Um, and so that's something I did even in residency, like, or even in med school. Um, it, it has always been an interest of mine. And that's one of the few interests that kept going, <laughs> despite residency and fellowship. Um, and so being here in Portugal, the immersive experience is like, mind blowing, because I spent, I think, six year, eight years learning Spanish in the US. And I got pretty good, like we got to a good place, but in, a, in almost the two years that I've lived here, I'm pretty, my, my fluency in Portuguese is pretty close to my fluency in Spanish now. Um, and to be fair, I think my Spanish, I don't know where it is, but I can't summon it unless I'm like in a Spanish immersion setting. <laughs> um, so that has been incredible for me, even because I did it even during residency. And I think that was a part of me that was still able to connect, to use a language to connect with people through a different culture. Um, and I think, you know, that's why I did it. That's why I continued learning a language, even in residency. Um, I couldn't make it to classes, but I could use apps or like, um, yeah, online language learning apps and stuff. Um, and so that to me is a cool way to use a different part of your brain to see how different emotions are expressed in different languages and how English may not have certain words to describe the sentiment that you may feel that's only there in kind of Portuguese. Um, and I think language also helps, helps share kind of what is most important in that culture because I remember um, when I was learning French, one of the first things I learned was how to order wine, beer, and coffee. And to me, this was mind blowing because um, like I, my native language is actually Marathi, it's an Indian language. And we would never, like that would not be the first thing you learn in Marathi whatsoever. Like 
wine and beer are not something that um, is a big part of our culture. And then, so, so that like blew my mind. Um, meanwhile, in our culture, we have, in Marathi, we have uh, names for pretty much like distinct, unique names for every member of your family. Um, and so with this one name, you will know whether it's your paternal uncle or not, or your maternal, you know what I mean? So languages give you this clue or a view into what's important in that culture. So that's been just using this different part of my brain has been um, really helpful for me. That's so interesting on so many levels that that concept of, you know, the words that we choose to learn in another language kind of as, uh, or what we're taught initially mm -hmm. as a way to kind of show what's important in that culture. I had never thought about that before. Yeah. And, I think, <laughs> and I think that's what you're talking about. You're talking about this sense of being creative and kind of yeah. putting pieces together, that connection, yeah. um, which with medicine, we have our, you know, we have certain ways of thinking that are very structured and, and very much based on what you've learned and the patterns that you see, but then to be able to apply that in different ways is so fun. Mm -hmm. And I love to do that through writing and kind of coming up with ideas in this podcast. So I yeah. think, you know, it sounds like that we all go about it in a little bit different way, but to be able just to keep something, you know, it's, it's that fun part, that just creative that part of our creative brain. Part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and whether that's writing or learning right. a new language or traveling or right. just, you know, trying a new culture, all of those things, I think, feed back into us as, as persons, or yeah. people, <laughs> the correct <laughs> grammar there, or the correct part word. Um, and then that sustains us in the work that we yeah. do as physicians, all that hard work and that, um, you know, things that kind of sometimes drain that from us, we're yeah. able to find that back in all these fun ways. Yeah. And I think for me, like learning these languages, especially during residency fellowship and during that attending year um, or attending years, uh, I think it gave me a way to imagine a different life because I would be going to work, but I'd be listening to this podcast about a day in the life of a French woman, right? And so I'd be going into work, but I'd be like, oh, that's so cool. She did that today or her kids did this today. And it was kind of a way for me to stay connected with that part of me that I wasn't um, connecting with in my work or in my daily life, other than this podcast or um, that language learning app. And mm -hmm. I think it gave me that space to play. And I think that was huge for me. Yeah. I think you, you were meant to be where you are today. All these things, all the, you know, the aspects that you're talking about, just that creativity um, yeah. does not fit for you. If you're on this, uh, academic tenure track, this, 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 this. And I can see as the more I talk to you exactly how that could be such a trap. Um, and for others, it could be, comforting. It's, it's like, I know exactly, exactly what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do this. Exactly. I, I like that straight, narrow pathway. Yeah. Um, but for, for you and for many others, it yeah. feels like, Hey, I can't do these other things. And yeah. so we're always coming back to what supports us and what yeah. helps us you know, be the person that we want to be in the, in the way that we want. So thank you for giving us this kind of different perspective um, that I think uh, many people will learn from and enjoy hearing about. <laughs>
we, um, there's two things I want to finish up with. Um, one is I'd uh, love to hear kind of what you would say would be your takeaways from our conversation today, kind of those pearls of wisdom that our listeners uh, could take away. And then at the end, I have a few little fun questions to finish up. So how about your pearls? (laughs) My pearls. Um, I think the biggest thing that I learned and continue to learn is, I, I would, is to create space to dream. Um, I think, you know, in medicine, it's done a certain way, but when you create space to dream, you take the time to think more about the life you want to live and you have to define it for yourself. And I think that's incredibly scary because for me, leaving academic medicine, this path I thought I was going to be on that everyone else was on, it was incredibly scary. Um, people will tell you it's not possible that you're committing career suicide, that your career is over. You can't do that. Um, And so hearing that from uh, mentors was really scary. Um, But what I've come to realize is that you really won't find the life you want if you're following someone else's path, because I tried it. I did it for a pretty long time, and um, I had to create space to find my own path and to actually create it. Um, I would say because of that, I think my second pearl is more a recognition that it can be lonely. I think leaving the traditional path can be very isolating, lonely, and really uncomfortable. Um, and you know, it's because you're figuring out a dream that's unique to you and you'll share aspects of it with other people. But at the end of the day, you are kind of on it, at least for bits of it on your own. So then the third piece of advice is to find like-minded people and to create that community to combat or to help a little bit with that feeling of loneliness. And I would say whether it's reaching out to physicians that have done something similar to what you want to do, listening to podcasts like Reset MD, like to me, that was really inspiring. Um, Just listening to other physicians uh, resetting their career. Um, I think that creates the support and community that you need to keep going. I love all three of those. (laughs) And we've kind of left someone out of this picture. (laughs) We talked about that, you know, you had a partner in in this as well. So who's also- I have not done any of this. I have not done any of this alone. And I I actually think that's the most important thing is that I have not done this by myself. And with Hippocratic Adventures, um, I co-founded it with my husband, a psychiatrist, and we have this huge community that we kind of cultivate and draw upon. And with Apine MD, I co-founded it with uh, one of my friends and colleagues. So um, I think the best part about that is that when you're not feeling like it, when you're not feeling like showing up to the meeting, you kind of have to because you're held accountable to someone else as well. So. And it's a support system. Yeah, those like-minded people. And yeah. and we I if it was just up to me, if this podcast wouldn't have happened. So it yeah. took a, it took four of us to kind of come yeah. together and say, hey, yeah, we want to do this. We want to support each other. We all want to do it. And then in that um kind of momentum gets started, as you said, yeah. you know, there's accountability there right, in a way right. as well. <laughs> um, but I love all three of those. So to finish up my fun questions, I know you're a writer. Um, yeah. but I'm assuming you're also a reader if you're a writer. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
What's a, what's a book that you've been intrigued by either you're reading now or you've read recently that you'd like to share? Um, I actually have it here. The book is called what it takes. Um, I think that's the full title. Uh, but it's a story by the founders of Aiden and Anise. Um, so she's a female founder I don't, of Aiden and Anise. And Aiden and Anise makes um, uh, baby wraps, like baby cloths uh, used for swaddling, swaddling cloths, that's what it's called. And they make them really cute with giraffes and polar bears and, you know, very cool designs. But um, that story was really inspiring to me because she talked about her process of uh, leaving the job that she had at that time and starting this company and how challenging it was. And um, although she and her friend had this idea, all the obstacles that they had to overcome mm -hmm. to make this company and this dream a reality. So um, that was, that still inspires me. And I go back to that often, actually, when I've hit a rough patch yeah. or I'm not sure where to go next. Um, because it's a story of this young woman where she came up with this idea when her kids were babies, they were infants. Um, and over time, she built this company that makes swaddling blankets. Um, and, and it was very cool because even with a newborn, she still had this dream and this other idea that she wanted to pursue and that she did. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds very similar to what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is a two-part question. So as a, as a world traveler that you are, I'm curious as to what's been your favorite place that you've visited so far. And my second part is um, the place that you haven't been yet, that you, mm. it's on your list that you really want to go. You know, I would say my favorite place that I've visited is actually Portugal. It's where I live now. And, and it's not that it's the most beautiful country or it has the most historic, beautiful buildings, but Portugal holds a very special place for me because it's the first place where um, when now that we live here, we no longer, we've gone on trips to other places, but it's the first time that I am not wondering what life would be like somewhere else. Um, and the first time, and this was recent, we only started like traveling on a plane in May. And that this was a first, or yeah, in May. And that was the first time where when we got to um, France, we were visiting my husband's family in France. I was like, you know what? I love visiting here but I'm happy where our home is. Um, so that's why Portugal holds a really special place for me. Um, I also feel like I was genetically made for this weather. <laughs> um, I don't have snow. I don't deal with snow and ice anymore. Um, and it, the weather and the people are warm. And uh, so that's why to me, it's a very, very special place. I love um, it. It feels like home. It's yes. home. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And we have never, I've never felt that way way anywhere else every time we travel we're like could we live here could we live here could we live here this is the first time that I was like you know what I'm, I'm happy to go home now I'm perfectly happy being home um and as far as a cool place to visit I I would love to visit Egypt I mean Egypt is kind of like the cradle of humanity of civilization they have so much history it is so impressive 
when you think about it, what they built with the tools that they had at that time. Um, I think Egypt would be a very, very cool, cool. I mean, there's so many places to visit, but for me, I think that would be a very cool place. Um, and it's pretty close to you now. It is. It is I, now. I bet it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it is going to happen. It's, um, it is now very close. So it's pretty cool. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and telling your story. Yes. And I can't wait for folks to, to dive into uh, Hippocratic Adventures if they're looking at that. And then also, again, uh, for your, your palliative, tel yes. palliative care yes. telemedicine practice, yes. because I think that's a model uh, of care that um, others may be interested in yes. working with you on that or sharing that or collaborating yes. in different ways. It sounds like that is something that there's a lot of need uh, yeah. for both of the companies that you've, yeah. you've co-founded or founded. And I, um, I love sharing uh, the ability for others to dream and think outside the box yeah. uh, as we've been talking about um, here on the podcast. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. And like I said, I'm such a huge fan of Reset MD that it is um, part of my support system as well listening to the podcast of other of fellow physicians. Thank you. I love to see on our, our podcast dashboard when it shows you where people are listening from. So when we oh, see, cool. when well. we see uh, Europeans, I know who they are now. <laughs> if you see Portugal, that's right. That's you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have okay. a wonderful day. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening in on this conversation at Reset MD. If you'd like to reach out to us and continue the conversation for well-being, email us at resetmdpodcast at gmail.com.